I am not an expert. I've never published a book or taught a class, but I love quilting and I love talking about quilting. I make a lot of mistakes, but I like to think that sometimes I learn from them and get just a little bit better. If hearing about someone else's goofs and mess-ups makes you feel better about yours, then I've done my job. So join me now as we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hey, I'm Sandy and I'm a quilter and welcome to episode 177 in which I took another class and I'm recording this on Sunday, March 1st, 2015. I am hoping that this actually records. I am now trying my new software out. Um, actually, technically, this is software for, well, not technically, it is software for work. Um, it came part of uh, a suite of software that we purchase for work. And um, as is my habit with podcasting, my quilt podcast is actually the guinea pig for things that I'm trying to figure out for my work podcast. So I decided it was not a bad idea to learn how to use this software by recording one of my quilt podcasts. And then once I really know what I'm doing, then I can set it loose on my work podcast. And the funny thing is, actually, I think my work podcast is sometimes simpler to produce than the um, personal one. But that's a whole other story. So in any case, I'm, I've done some changes to my intro and outro. Uh, that's the, the music and the introduction and the music that plays at the end and the things that I say over the top of them. Um, and I've re-recorded everything. I've readjusted all the levels to everything. And working in this software actually makes it a lot easier to really fine-tune and to see what's actually going on, which was what was frustrating me with Audacity because there's only so much information you get. Um, Audacity is the free software that I'd been using for years once my other, well... I started out using Audacity, then I got another software that I really, really, really loved, and then that one went out of business, essentially, and no longer support their software, and in my last crash, I wasn't even able to re-download it from their website, so that's gone. Uh, so I went back to using Audacity, and I, I just, I really don't like Audacity. So anyway, now I'm trying out this new one, um, but it's very, very complex, and <laughs> there's a huge learning curve, and I know I'm only guessing at some of the stuff, because I'm not a sound technician. I've not been trained in this stuff, and this software is really made for professionals. So that all being said, I think I figured out enough of it anyway, <laughs> that hopefully this will go better. Um, that being said, I did hear from several people this week, none of whom have been having um, volume problems uh, right along, so they've been doing fine, uh, but I did hear from one person who is uh, who was one of the people who had had the volume, volume problems and is still giving me feedback on each episode to let me know whether it's gotten better, so um, you get to tell me this time too, you know who you are. <laughs> so let me know what you think this time after we have finished recording and hopefully posting this. Um, back to our regularly scheduled program. The first announcement I have, as you, if you've been listening for a while, you know I tend to do announcements first, and then I do a Sandy update, and then um, if I have content beyond the Sandy update, then I do that, and then I do listener feedback, and I will do listener feedback this week. I know I didn't do it last week. I didn't um, allot myself enough time for it, but I will do it this week. Uh, the first is that I did finally get in the mail my last prize for my fifth podcast of givery, <laughs> podcast of givery, I guess that's a new word, uh, my podcast diversary giveaway. And, and I am actually really seriously jealous. I really wish I could win my own giveaway, but I can't. So I have in my hot little hands several really nice gifts to be given away. So um, 
like I said in my last episode, I'm still trying to figure out some, some details around timing for that, but I promise you that tonight I will make all of those decisions and I will let you know um, after I've recorded this podcast. I can only think of so many things <laughs> at one time as I have a mug that's got the classic Winnie the Pooh um, illustrations on it and it says something like, I'm a, very, I'm a bear of very little brain and long words bother me. <laughs> And I love having my coffee in that in the morning because that's often how I feel. Uh, in any case, oh, the other audio problem um, that I've been having, as you know, I've been switching back and forth between microphones because my usual very nice microphone, my Blue Snowball, has been rattling. And I do think I finally figured out where the rattle is coming from. I have not yet been able to fix it. So I'm just hoping that, um, I don't know, I'm just hoping beyond hope it doesn't rattle today. So. So we'll see. Um, I do, I think I know how to fix it and I just need to get out to Best Buy and buy myself what I need to fix it. So, um, you know, for any of you who are joining me new, this all sounds very unprofessional. Well, I am, uh, this is just for fun. This is not my professional podcast. So um, I'm allowed, (laughs) I think, to sound unprofessional, but bear with me. Really, it's normally much more cohesive than this. I've just had, I've hit a string of strange audio issues that now I'm hopefully well on my way towards fixing. Um, my other announcement is just that it's March. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't like March. I actually really love March. You know why? Because it's not February anymore. <laughs> I am, I am not a fan of February. Um, I'm really thrilled that it's March 1 today, because that means we are getting really, we're narrowing down on spring. We are narrowing, we're looking at the light at the end of the tunnel, the sunlight <laughs> at the end of the very gray tunnel. Um, and, and that's just an exciting thing for me. Even being said, I am talking about spring while it is snowing outside, and we're supposed to get another three to five inches tonight, and then we're supposed to get a half inch of ice on Tuesday. So, you know, clearly it's not spring weather yet, but this is this is classic March for us here. If we're going to have an ice storm, it's going to be in March. And if it's going to be March, we're probably going to have an ice storm. Um, I'm just hoping it's not too bad and we don't lose power and people get in accidents and that kind of thing. We can handle a little bit of ice. We can't handle a lot. Uh, so anyway, that's um, all to be said that this morning notwithstanding, this morning I woke up really cranky. It was definitely a morning where I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed for no good reason. Um, I have no idea why. I just woke up in a mood. And it was bad enough that I warned my husband. By the way, honey, I woke up in a mood this morning. <laughs> so you might just want to not talk to me. <laughs> and and unfortunately, it just kept getting worse because um, this morning, myself and the, the folks that I traveled to uh, Myanmar with, Burma with, were doing our first of two weeks of presentations at church. And it was just one technological issue after another between the four of us and who had a computer or laptop that would actually talk to the projector at church when none of us even really knew what the hookups were on the projector at church who knows how old it is and you know the the person that was actually at church that could look at it didn't isn't really technologically advanced enough to be able to tell us what we need <laughs> it was just this series of emails going back and forth and so finally fortunately my husband happened to have a projector from work in the car with him this weekend. That's very unusual. He doesn't normally carry them around, um, but he had one with him. And so we ended up using his laptop and his work projector just to make sure everything was going to talk to each other. But then since we were all at church, we were then able to ourselves look at the projector and figure out what we think we need for next week, which is the second of the two weeks that we're doing. So it was just, you know, I woke up crabby and it didn't get any better. (laughs) 
at all anytime fast. Um, but then, you know, being at church and, and doing the presentation all went very well. We had a great response from the crew that was there. And, um, you know, I just hope next week, <laughs> I just hope it goes more smoothly walking in. I mean, hey, we look like pros once we got up there and, and were able to do it. Um, it all came together much better than I thought it would. <laughs> but, but it went well. So that, that felt good. And then um, as we were driving home, my husband and I were both talking about, well, you know, we had both thought we might get to the gym today. We had some housework we needed to do, but we were both just beat. He didn't sleep well either. I don't, you know, just something in the air, I guess. Um, we both slept through the night. It's not like anything was waking us up, but we just woke up tired. So um, we decided to just have a pajama day for the rest of the day. So we've been um, pretty much playing it low key. Uh, I do have a little, I did get some stowing stuff done today that I will talk about in a minute. But anyway, that's my excitement about March. And also, um, March is National Crafting Month. And um, I really only know that because on Twitter this morning, there were a bunch of uh, National Crafting Month related giveaways. So you might want to Google National Crafting Month and see if you can find any of the giveaways. I'm sorry I didn't track where they were because most of them were not quilt related today. Um, a lot of scrapbooking and paper craft related giveaways. Uh, so just Google that. I will say that National Quilting Day is March 21st. It's the third Saturday in March. So get ready for that. Um, and there is actually a website. There's a quilt shop network, I think is what it was called, but not all quilt shops are part of it. Uh, but they have a website they've created, www.worldwidequiltingday.com. And I think they've got giveaways that might be related to um, actual area, you know, real live bricks and mortar, mortar type quilt shops. And they call it worldwide, but from what I could tell on the map, it's US, Canada, and one store in the UK. So <laughs> it's it's partially worldwide, world partial quilting day. Um, but in any case, you might want to check that out again. That website is www.worldwidequiltingday.com. And I realized it's actually pretty cool that my fifth podcast anniversary is within a week of National Quilting Day. I had not planned that. I just willy-nilly started my podcast. I just sort of recorded an episode and uploaded it and didn't even pay attention to what day it was <laughs> when I did it um, low those many years ago. So anyway, that's all the fun stuff you have to look forward to in your near future. March almost spring and national quilting day national quilting month and of course or crafting month and of course saint patrick's day um okay sandy update what i got done today i am doing serious happy dances because i finally 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 got my background for the seuss bargo <laughs> embroidery class done um that's the craftsy embroidery class uh, seuss bargo style Oh, again, I did not look up the name of the actual crafty class, but it's on my blog. You'll see it. And uh, it's taken me, I think I started that background right after Christmas or right, you know, right around the new year. And I just finally got it done so that I can actually get to the embroidery. Um, it just, you know, and I wasn't working on it every single day. It's not, and I made it, well, I did it kind of the way she suggests in the class. I have a friend who's also doing the same Sue Spargo class and she's already got hers pretty much done because she didn't have a wool piece big enough for the background. So she did something much smaller and kind of, um, you know, just played with the design a little bit. I decided in this case, like I've talked about in previous episodes, that I was actually going to kind of do it the way Sue Spargo outlines it in her class, which is very unusual for me. <laughs> I don't normally do things the way 
you're you're kind of supposed to um but in any case this in this point i thought it was kind of a neat um, design it's not an exact replica of hers and in fact she doesn't really give one to have an exact replica of but just her style and how she suggests approaching it um and so what you do uh, in her style is you have a big piece of wool felt as your background and then you layer that with some um, shapes, you know, geometric shapes or, or whatever you want to do on the background with fabric. And in my case, I used batiks um, to create a, a background that's more interesting. You know, it's got a little bit more visually going on, but it still all blends. And then um, again, in her design, she uses butterflies and you cut those butterflies out of wool felt and you applique those on the background. And in her design, there's 15 butterflies. And so I did 15 butterflies and that I applique those all on by hand. And because of issues I had with the yarn, which is uh, that I was using the, the yarn and the thread that I was using for the applique, it just took forever. And I've talked about that on previous episodes, so I won't talk about that again. If you take this class, it wouldn't necessarily take you that long. <laughs> this was just my issue. And the fact that I kept putting it down and walking away for, you know, a whole week. Because when something is tending to be a little frustrating, it's hard to force yourself to go back to it, very frankly. Um, plus, you know, there's just times I was out of town or whatever. So when I got done with hand appliquing that first layer, then on the butterflies, you then do a second layer, if you follow her suggested design, of more fabric on top of those butterflies. So like you do little fabric kind of teardrop shapes on the, a couple of the wings, and you can do a body on it, you can do various things. And in her, um, her world, <laughs> she does that all by hand as well. She does a needle turn applique. At that point, I was done with the hand applique, and, and I just machine appliqued my second layer. So it went much more quickly. I had it done, I think, in three three episodes, I was about to say, three sessions of sitting down at my machine and, and knocking out several butterflies at a time. Um, it's probably not the best machine applique, although I didn't do too bad a job, but it's, um, you know, I'm just kind of... <laughs> I'm relying on the fact that I'm doing embroidery over the top of it. You know, it's it's sort of along the lines of you can quilt that out. Well, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I can embroider that out. You know, the little notcher there, I'll just put some embroidery over it. Um, I may have cost myself some grief. You know, maybe I won't necessarily want to cover up all of that machine embroidery. Um, I don't need, I mean, not all of it. It's, it. It probably looks fine to the naked eye. I'm the one that looks at it and can see places where eh, that's a little bit off. Uh, what I ended up doing, though, I, I didn't want to have to keep changing threads because all of these fabrics are different colors. Um, I did that on the first layer. When I was first hand appliquing those butterflies down, I used matching thread for every one of the butterflies, or <laughs> very close to matching. And um, on the second one, I just didn't want to take the time again. I just needed to get it done so I could get to the embroidery because it's not an applique class. It's an embroidery class. So I ended up using a light gray Aurifil. Um, it's a 50 weight, it's my piecing thread, so that it would blend as much as possible with whatever color I happen to be working on. Um, and it mostly, it blends in very, very well on the wool pieces. I have some of my layers were more felted wool, other ones were cotton. Um, it blends in beautifully on the wool, it just disappears. It does not blend in necessarily as well on all of the cotton. There are some darker cottons that you can see the lighter gray. Um, so again, those are the places I'm going to prioritize <laughs> doing doing the embroidery. Uh, the only thing I'm a little bit worried about is that um, when you do machine applique, of course, the stitches are a little bit closer together. I mean, I, I spaced out my stitch how I wanted to do. I have sort of an applique stitch on my machine. It's, it's 
more or less a blanket stitch, but it's just, it, it only bites in a little bit and it just bites in once and then goes another couple of stitches and then bites in again and goes another couple of stitches. Um, but that is, it's going to be a tighter stitch than a hand stitch is just by nature. And so I'm a little bit concerned that when I get to the embroidery step, I'm going to have some places where I really want to embroider right over the top of where that machine stitching is. And I'm a little bit concerned about how easily the needle will get through that. Now, it'll all depend on what needle, what size thread I'm using, uh, embroidery floss and all that kind of thing. So I'm just going to have to probably plan around it. Um, in other words, when I get to a place where I really want to embroider right over the top of where I did some of that machine applique, I will probably have to make sure I'm using a very small needle and a very small thread just to make sure it gets through. Because I can tell you right now that 22 and 24 chenille needles, those are not getting through there. So, um, yeah, that's just one of those things where, yeah, it's it's something that I learn about and, and um, adjust as I go on the embroidery. So anyway, I'm very excited that I'm finally to the step of doing the embroidery. Um, so after I'm finished recording this, I think I'll have time to uh, re-watch the part of the lesson where she does the first embroidery stitch um, so that tonight while I'm sitting and watching TV, I can maybe start actually doing some embroidery. Um, on the other hand, this is a week where I have conference calls every night. We have a um, special event that we do twice a, uh, a year, um, one five days each time, Monday through Friday, and it's an online learning experience basically, and there's email activities involved, and there's a blog involved, and then there's these evening conference calls with special guests, and I oversee the whole event, and I am the one that moderates all these calls, which means I'm not really the one, uh, generally, you know, I do a little bit of an introduction, and I might help facilitate some of the Q&A at the end, but for the most part, other people are talking, I just need to be staring at my screen <laughs> and making sure, you know, sometimes you got to mute people and unmute them and um, do the tech support for the people that can't figure out how to get into the call and all that kind of stuff. So I need to be present for all of that. But it is possible because I won't be taking notes. We record these um, that I'll actually be able to maybe be doing a little bit of embroidery on the side because I'm not on video during these either. So I can listen and pay attention to what's going on and maybe do some embroidery. We'll see. Um, by the third call, I'm starting to get exhausted because all these calls are at nine o'clock at night for me to take into account the fact that I'm East time, East Coast time, and then there's West Coast time, uh, three hours earlier than me. So we do all of these calls nine to 10 o'clock at night. And, and as we know, if you've been listening to my podcast, my brain turns off at about 9.15. <laughs> so I don't know how much embroidery I'll get done this week. Um, it just, it feels really good to finally be at the point where I can actually do the embroidery. Um, other than that, I have not um, gotten a lot of progress made on other projects. I was out a lot this week, had a lot going on. So um, I did get my cutting table cleaned off, <laughs> which was, it, you know, I'm normally somebody, I as soon as I'm done with a project, I clean. And even in the mid-project, I clean. I tend to keep things fairly organized in my creative space. And part of that's just because if I have too much clutter, it clutters my mind. But it's also because I work in the same space that I quilt in. And so when I'm sitting and working, it's really hard for me to focus on work if I've got a super cluttered visual path. Um, that being said, my desk often has some stuff kicking around on it too. But again, for the most part, I try to keep it fairly picked up. Um, but my cutting table had really gotten out of control when I was just having a little too much fun with some projects last week. <laughs> so I did have to spend, it probably took me about a 45 minute session to get it all straightened up and everything put back away. And of course, once you start doing that, sometimes then you get um, 
drift, visual drift of as you're putting stuff away in a drawer, you realize, you know, I really need to clean that drawer. And then you're stacking stuff on a shelf. You know, I really need to reorganize that shelf. So I actually got a fair amount reorganized <laughs> in my sewing room in that time, which was nice. And I had to laugh. Um, I was joking with my husband that you can tell who a real quilter is because I actually decided to donate two or three pairs of shoes so that I could reclaim the plastic boxes they were in in my closet to use those for other types of scrap storage. I was like, yeah, I don't need these shoes. I really need a bin for my scraps. Um, yeah, it's uh, somewhere along the way I did miss that shoe gene as it is. I have a few shoes, but I'm not somebody that loves shoes like some other people are. Um, but in any case, that just entertained me that I was so willing to off <laughs> off shoes so that I could store my scraps better. Um, in any case, so I did find a um, willing recipient of some of my scraps that I'm just ready to get rid of at this point. I had gone through a period maybe two, three years ago where I decided I was going to be very efficient and whenever I finished a project I would cut all my leftovers up into certain sizes of scraps. Um, and I had a couple of sizes that I've decided, yeah, I'm just never going to use them. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm sending those off to someone um, who happened to be mentioning on Twitter that she was, you know, willing to say, take some scraps. I'm like, all right, send me your address. You're getting them mailed to you. Um, and then I do want to also say a thank you to someone else who sent me something she was cleaning out of her house. You know, it's it's really Twitter is just one big garage cleaning. <laughs> That's really somebody mentions on Twitter, yeah, I'm getting rid of some stuff and you get people that will take it off your hands. Um, so that's, that's nice. I'm appreciating both the giving and the receiving. <laughs> Those are both nice things. Um, I did get my zipper for the duffel bag that I was working on. I think I talked about that last week, how I had to put the pause button on it because I could not find the zipper. I got that in the mail yesterday. Um, so again, that's something else I'm not positive I'll get to this week, but at least now I've got everything I need to finish that project off. Um, the other thing I've decided is I really, <laughs> I really need to get back to my Facebook page for the quilting for the rest of us. You know that um, if you've been listening for a while, I've mentioned I, I've just, I don't do that much on Facebook anymore, partly because Facebook became for me work. We have a lot of Facebook pages at work that I oversee and relate to. And, and it just, it kind of, when it becomes work, it stops being quite so much fun. So um, I read other people's stuff on Facebook all the time, but I don't tend to post a lot. And I stopped doing much on my Facebook page for the quilting for the rest of us. And actually there was a, a very conscientious decision or conscious decision at one point because I used to have my blog, um, the quilting for the rest of us blog automatically post to my quilting for the rest of us Facebook page. But the problem was I realized when, when your blog posts to your Facebook page, it then also posts to your wall. Well, I don't have any family members. I have one family member, I think that reads my blog. Most of the rest of them don't really. And nobody from work that I know of, Although, once I say this, I might get an email from somebody saying, hey, I read your blog. Um, but as far as I know, nobody from work reads my blog. And so I would feel fine about occasionally posting progress on stuff I was working for, for either, you know, a, an auction for work or for a gift for a family member. And then all of a sudden I realized, holy cow, wait a minute. All this stuff is going then going to get linked to my personal wall where a lot of these people are linked to. So I finally just pulled my Facebook page from linking to my blog automatically. And I could link each individually one, you know, I could send a link to it myself, but I don't have time to do that. So on the other hand, here's why I'm talking about Facebook. Suddenly in the last two to three weeks, I've had a huge uptick, huge uptick 
in the number of likes on that page. And I suspect at first I thought it was actually a scam or a virus or, you know, something going on through Facebook. I'm like, holy cow, how'd that start happening? And then the only thing I can think of is that it might have to do with the fact that several of us podcasters very nicely and very excitingly got listed in the latest issue of Generation Q magazine. Um, And it's possible that people are just now really reading it and seeking us out. (laughs) It, it, I didn't make that mental connection for a little while because the Generation Q magazine actually came out several weeks ago and it's just now that there's this uptick. So if any of you are now listening because you read that article in Generation Q, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, it was very fun to to have that happen and, and we certainly give a shout out to Generation Q for doing that. That was really nice. Um, and if that's why there's these new likes on the Facebook page, that is fantastic. It has made me decide, okay, I guess I really need to start doing something with my Facebook page. Um, So I have some thoughts about what I'll be doing with that. So hopefully those of you who have liked the Facebook page, who have been likers, whatever you might be called, liked people, um, not technically following because that's a different thing. You can like a page without following it. Facebook got really weird in there for a while. Uh, But in any case, there might actually be some stuff that will start going on there. Maybe. Um, I'm I'm still working on that. So like I said, it was just, I was watching all these notifications coming up saying, holy cow, what's going on? Um, So again, if you're listening or reading the blog or liking the Facebook page because of Generation Q, woohoo, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Okay, my content, um, I did take, oh, first of all, I did want to mention, this is just a brief one. I was talking about the Quiltography app in the last episode. There's also another app that I meant to talk about and I forgot to mention it. Um, Craftsy not only has an app for the classes and such, they have two separate apps free that you can get. One is knitting and crochet patterns and the other one is quilting patterns. Um, For obvious reasons, I do not have the knitting and crochet app (laughs) on my iPad, but I do have the quilting uh, app. And it's really nice. It's very done. It's done very well. It's got a very nice layout to look for patterns, search for patterns, and then you can add them to your wish wish list. The problem is you can't actually buy the patterns through the app. You have to go to the website to do that. So this is sort of like an intermediary step. If you're, you know, commuting on a train or if you're sitting in an airport and you just decide, "Ah, I'm just going to see what's new and kind of do some searches and then you can throw them on your website. And then the next time you're at your computer, you can actually go in and, and purchase them. Um, so it's, it's just, the layout is very nice. I really like doing that. Um, so that's, I just wanted to mention that one. You might, if you search for Craftsy in the iTunes uh, app store, you'll find it'll list all of them. I cannot tell you whether it's also available for Droid. One would think it would be, but I don't know because I don't own a Droid. So I can't even really go and look. I would have to Google and I did not take the time to do that. I apologize. Um, okay, so let me talk about my class that I took. Again, this is the the second of two classes that I've taken with the same teacher, Tina Somerset. And uh, she has done this class along with the other one that I took as a pair, I think three or four times this year. And when I took the other class with her, it's it's really kind of the second of the two classes because I couldn't take this class the last time she offered it. So this time I was very excited to be able to get into this class. And I'm still taking the second one again next week because I sent out an email to my design study group to say, hey, these are great classes. You might want to take them. So this week, yesterday, um, this class was on, I believe the title of it was Colors and Curves. 
or something like that. And there were three of us um, from my design study group, myself and, and two of my friends, who went this week. We've got four of us going next week. And um, turns out we we're the only three students. <laughs> I felt I felt kind of bad. I was glad she hadn't canceled, but I did feel bad for her that there were only the three of us. Um, on the other hand, she said she really, I guess she made a comment to one of um, my fellow students there that she actually really prefers smaller classes because she can do much more individualized work. And, and she really does. I mean, it was great to have just that kind of almost one-on-one -on -one attention. Um, and, and the reason there was so few registrants is I, a couple of things. First of all, she had put it together pretty short notice. Um, she had just decided when I was in the last class that she was going to do these two classes this month. So there was just barely four weeks between the last class and this one. Um, and then the store had all sorts of mix-ups in terms of getting the information posted. It took them forever to get it on the website. And then once it was on the website, it was put up incorrectly and the descriptions were all screwed up and, and the teacher hadn't even realized that. I saw that it was wrong and emailed her and said, did you realize these were not, or I don't think they're correct. You might want to double check them. And then it took her a while to get the guy to actually fix them the way they needed to be fixed. So altogether, the information probably didn't get up there much before maybe a week ago. 10 days before. So I think that really affected the ability, you know, for her to really generate a lot of registrations for this particular class. Next week, we think there might be one other person who registered because we think she registered at the store while we were there taking this week's class. Uh, so hopefully there might be five students next week. Um, and we swore to Tina that we would be very nice to this other student, even though she wasn't part of our design study group. Um, but in any case, it, it was really fun to have individualized attention with her. And of course, since I had just taken a class with her, we were able to then follow up on some conversations we had started during that class and, and you know, work through a little bit more some stuff I'd been working on in that class and, and going into this one. So that was really good. Um, she did also say that she is starting a new art quilt group in her area, but she's about an hour from me. She's on the far east side of, well, not even on the side of our city. She's in a small town on the east, you know, far out easterly from our city. I'm in a small town far out west um, from our city. So we are probably about an hour drive, maybe even an hour and 15 minutes because a lot of it's backcountry roads and um, on her end of things. Um, and anyway, there, so she's starting this art quilt group out there, but they're also meeting during the work day. So I was kind of hoping she might say they were working on Saturdays because then I might make an effort to try to get out there, but um, they're meeting during the work day, so I can't join that group. But we did, as we were talking, because of course I've got several members of my design study group there and she's talking about this new group she's starting. And so we thought it would really be fun to actually do a challenge between our two groups and then have a big group, you know, joint meeting somewhere at some point to share the results. So we might start working on that um, together. That would be a hoot. Uh, so anyway, back to this class. Uh, she had recommended two books for it. One book I already owned and then the other. So I did go ahead and buy the second one. The first book that I already owned was Intuitive Color and Design by Jean Wells. And this is a CNT publishing book, 2009. I could swear I've already done a review on this on this episode sometime a while back. I've had this book for a couple of years now, um, so I'm not going to actually do a full-out review. I will say it's an excellent book. If you can get your hands on this book, it's really, really good. It talks a lot about design principles. She goes through a lot of, you know, where do you get your inspiration and, and color kinds of considerations and design, different design principles. Um, where it related specifically to this class was, of course, in the color work. But then also she talks about, Jean Wells talks about soft curve piecing um, is one of the many different types of sort of 
what I refer to as freestyle piecing styles that Jean Wells includes in her book. Um, she also does things like intuitive angles and narrow inserts and everything, just different ways that you can create a visual image by piecing. Um, and so when I saw that book on the recommended book list for this um, class, I pulled it off my bookshelf about a week ago, and I've been sitting and going through parts of it every night and remembering what a good book this really is again. <laughs> and and uh, so I'm going to be spending a little more time again with that this week to really pull together. Now that I've had this class, it'll help me think through some of the things that Jean Wells talks about in her book a little bit better, I think. Um, the second book, Vivacious Curves, is by Diane S. Heyer, and you got to like this Diane because it's Diane with two N's, which is the same way my sister spells her name. Um, and so it's uh, Diane S. Heyer, and that's an AQS publication, 2010. And this one is also, it's all about curves. It's only, it's, I don't think she really talks about design principles at all in the book. It's all about this particular technique. Um, and it's, again, freestyle curves. There's no pinning. You don't, you're not tracing templates or anything. You are just cutting freeform and um, sewing them together by kind of scooching everything as you go. You're not pinning and trying to be real specifically exact about it. Um, but you are being careful about how you piece it because you don't want to end up with lumps and bumps and all that kind of stuff. On the other hand, you do then basically steam the heck out of it when you've, when you've finished piecing your curve. Um, and then she, in this book, Vivacious Curves, she gives all sorts of ideas about different types of curves you can do and how you can put them together. And, and there's huge, uh, lots of different photo gallery type um, parts of the book where you can see a lot of different ways to use this technique. Um, and that book has a lot more specific instructions about curves and variations on the theme and really how to piece it and piece it well. Whereas um, Jean Wells's book, that's not the primary focus. It's the design is the primary focus. And then she talks about these types of piecing as ways. So for the, the curve piecing in the Jean Wells book, there's maybe a page or two on that particular type of piecing, whereas Vivacious Curves, it's the whole book. Um, so the two books do work very well together in that respect. So in the class that we took with Tina yesterday, um, really the main focus of the class was color. The curved piecing, uh, we only took, she demonstrated it to us. It was very straightforward. We're all experienced um, quilters, so we were able to get it, you know, quite quickly. Um, and it was really just the, the curves were just sort of a way to work with color, really. The class was not about curves. It was about color. And then the curves were a way we could then work with the color. Um, so what we did is most of the morning was spent working on color. And we didn't spend a ton of time, you know, talking through the various color schemes, you know, the, um, I almost said monogamous, um, <laughs> monochromatic and analogous and all that kind of stuff. We referenced them, but she also, again, since we were such a small group and we came from a design study group and she knew we had already done all of this kind of work, she was just sort of helping us, you know, remember what we were talking about. Um, and then what we did is we had, she had an, invited us all to bring pictures with us um, of some sort. And I had, of course, I just brought the same photos I had already printed off the last time I took her class, um, all from my trip to Burma. And I had uh, eight or 10, I think, photos altogether. Um, my friends had both brought photos from magazines um, that they had picked up two or three each. And then you, uh, we started out each of us choosing one picture. And then she had a boatload of bags, Ziploc bags of scraps sorted by color and based on the color wheel. So we're not just talking 
you know, oh, here's a bag of yellow and here's a bag of green. It was yellow, yellow, green, 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 yellow, orange, yellow. <laughs> and it was every single uh, color on the 24 um, piece color wheel had a bag of scraps. And what we were supposed to do is go through her bags of scraps and as many colors as we could actually see in our photo, then cut a snippet of the scrap of that. And she said, you know, don't just do your best to not just come close, really try to find that exact color in a scrap. And then you cut a snippet of it and you glue it onto a piece of paper to really help train your eye to see colors. And I really challenged myself. The, the photo I mostly worked with, well, the only photo I worked with in that step was um, one of the sunset photos I had taken in Burma, but it was the sunset being reflected off of water. So there was no actual mountains or suns behind it. It was all the water with a boat in shadow on, and a little bit of land in shadow, but that was all basically a silhouette. So it was all about just the water reflecting this sort of purpley yellow color. And so it's one of those things that you look at it and the first presentation you see maybe two or three colors, but then when you really start drilling down and trying to look at the details, then you're pulling out all sorts of shades of different colors in there. Um, primarily like a salmon color and then purples. Those were kind of the two main color families that I was then pulling the various shades and tones from. Um, so we worked with that for a little bit and then we talked about, you know, and we all showed what we had done and kind of talked through how that experience had been. And then the rest of the class was using this curve piecing technique. We could either work with that or a different picture and just choose those colors and start doing some curve piecing and building a piece using those colors. And I decided at that point I was going to switch up and use the other uh, photo that I had kind of thought I might want to work on because it was a little more of a stretch for me, only because, um, I shouldn't say a stretch, but it's not something I'm working on in a color family right now. Um, it's very bright. Uh, it's fuchsia, or I'm, yeah, no, magenta and chartreuse <laughs> are the two primary colors in this thing. And I've certainly had my phases of my quilt making career where I did a lot in brights. I just haven't done them in a while, really. Um, I've been much more in this kind of low volume um, uh, neutrals and a lot of muddy colors. I mean, that's kind of what I've been, that's the vibe I've been feeling more often. So I decided yeah, I should do something that will pull me out of that and do something different. So I used the chartreuse and fuchsia. Um, and just had a ball. Now, partly I had all my hand dyes with me. So I was able to find mm, probably on the sunset. I did pick fabrics for the sunset picture as well as this other one, but then I only worked on piecing the other one. Um, the sunset picture, I, I had all but about two of the colors that I really wanted to use. I had represented in my hand dyes with the fuchsia magenta, magenta uh, I'm sorry, the magenta chartreuse one. I had maybe six or eight. Um, I, I had, I have a lot of greens somehow in my hand. dyes, <laughs> So I was able to do some shading with that and some of the fuchsias. But then I also went out and because we're in a fabric shop, so we were able to go out and find fat quarters to also work with our color scheme. So I went over to the boutiques and I found some great fat, uh, fat quarters for both color schemes as well. So I just love the fabrics I have collected for both of these images and those color schemes. Um, and then I only, like I said, I only worked on piecing the one of them. And I've got that one. 
I kind of, I just started piecing no plan. You know, just you start slicing and piecing and slicing and piecing and just kind of see where you go. Um, but I did get to a point where I some where it kind of felt like it was saying, okay, you're done with me. Now you need to move on and do something different that will then become part of me, if that makes any sense. Um, and so I kind of sat there and just stared at it for a while. I mean, like probably 10 minutes trying to decide, okay, what comes next then? You know, what else am I going to do with this? And and that's where it was nice having only three of us there because then Tina came over at one point and sort of consulted with me, not at all telling me what she thought I should do, but just saying, well, you know, what are you thinking you might do and, and where might you go with this and kind of drawing through questions, kind of drawing out some thoughts. And, and so now I do think I have a plan for what I'm going to do next. I just need to do it. Uh, the other piece, I think I have sort of an image in my head of what I might do. Um, but again, it's one of these things where once I start working on it, it might decide it needs me to do something completely different. So I'm going to be open to that. Um, so now between the last class I took with her and this class, I now have seven <laughs> potential, well, six, because I did finish one, um, six potential new art quilts to work on. And I'm still taking another class from her next weekend. So we're <laughs> We'll see. I'm gonna. I'm never gonna get all of these done. But I, what I am really committed to, is working on as many of them as I can as immediately as, as I can. Because, it's all well and good to come up with an idea, but until you really sit down to try to execute it, um, you're not learning anything from that idea. So each one of these things, I'm really learning something. And you know, I know not every quilt I ever designed will ever get made. I've designed a lot of quilts in my head <laughs> over the years that have never gotten made. Um, but these are all feeling much more kind of real to me. Like they are things I really feel like I need to work on in, at some level. Uh, so those are, those are still in progress. Um, and it just, it was a ball having at some level, it was a ball having only people from my design study group. Cause we just had so much fun. I mean, we were just laughing <laughs> and screwing around with each other. And at one point, um, Tina just kind of started laughing. She goes, boy, you can tell you guys really know each other well because <laughs> we were just giving each other so much crap. Um, but <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun. We just had a really good time. So um, again, I had a great class. And again, this one was on color. It wasn't like I learned anything new about color. It wasn't like I did. I mean, I've done variations on these exercises before, but just being in that setting and doing really having the focused time and having other people to bounce the ideas off of and the teacher that's there kind of asking you those sort of prompting questions, it made me do it in a different way than what I'd done before um, and made me much more excited about following through on it than I have been in the past. So, you know, it was really cool. There's part of me that feels like I'm just going to start taking every time she does these classes that I'm available, I'm going to start doing it just for the vibe <laughs> that I get. So anyway, that was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, so now let me get to listener feedback. Hang on, I gotta pause. Okay, thank you to Carrie for your email and actually several emails. Um, Carrie sent me, I don't remember what started this whole conversation, I apologize, but um, I think because I was talking about doing the king size Jacob's Ladder quilt that I still haven't started and I'm still not really looking forward to doing, but that's a whole other episode, I'm sure, at some point in my future. Uh, but Carrie mentioned a, a king size quilt that she did that went together very quickly. That's that is how it all started now that I'm thinking about it. And she used the pattern Shadow Box from Mountain Peak Creations. And when she sent me the picture of the quilt she had done, I remembered seeing the pattern in magazines and it's one I'd really liked. And it's basically, it's one of these designs that uses big pieces of a real, you know, so you can really use great fabric in there because you're not cutting it into little tiny pieces. 
and then it has this shadow box effect on it. And so when she sent me her emails with her pictures of them um, and told me what the name of the pattern was, I was able to go right into Amazon and look it up. And I do now own that pattern. I don't think I'm going to switch up and do that one for my brother-in-law. I think I really am going to do that Jacob's Ladder, but I still, I love that pattern. And it would be a great way to use up some of the stash commercial fabric that I have, especially the bigger print stuff, um, pretty quickly, I think, because it is supposed to, and it does look like it would go together fairly fast. And then I would just send it out and have it quilted and be done with it. Uh, so thank you, Carrie, for that. Thank you to Jamie for emailing me or for commenting on Craftsy Class Review, Learn to Sew Simple Bags with Nicole Vassbinder. And she says, um, I loved this, Jamie. You worded this very, very well. She said, I understand from the blog and podcast that you may never like making bags, but if you decide to try another one, <laughs> I suggest checking out Annie Unrein, if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, U-N-R-E-I-N. I love that, Jamie. It just reminded me so much of whenever you're, you know, at somebody's house and they say, oh, I, you know, you've got to try these mushrooms for me. And I say, I don't really like mushrooms. Thank you very much. And they say, oh, well, that's because you've never had my mushrooms. I'm sorry. I just don't like mushrooms. I don't care who cooks them, how they cook them. I hate mushrooms. <laughs> so that's it. That just always, you know, that's kind of a, a running gag among people is, well, you don't like it because you've never had mine. And then you're in this really awkward position. Uh, but in any case, I had to laugh when Jamie said, well, I know you might never like bags, but you still might want to try watching this. So I did go on to Craftsy. Um, and looked up both classes by Annie on Rhine and realized one of them was one I had actually looked at because I really like it's the travel organizers um, bag uh, bags class. And by the way, bag tote bag classes, purse ba uh, classes, those all come under sun, sewing, not under quilting. So if you are looking for them and you haven't been able to find them on Craftsy, look under sewing. Uh, but in any case, I had looked at that one because I really liked the look of the finished travel organizer. But I'd kind of thought, yeah, that's beyond what I can do at this point. Um, but from Jamie's email comment, and then when I've read through the class reviews and everything, I thought, you know, maybe it, I could actually do it. <laughs> maybe. And maybe with a limited amount of cussing. <laughs> so anyway, I did buy one. I did buy the class with the, um, with the travel organizers. And all I say to Jamie is if I am cursing, I will probably be cursing in your direction forever, even mentioning it. <laughs> so anyway, thank you for that comment. Um, thank you to Very Lazy Daisy, who was on fire with the comments for a little bit there. I got like three or four in quick succession from her as she was listening through a couple of my episodes. Um, she commented on episode 173, in which we experiment. And that's the one in which I talked about um, Daisy having recommended to me some book type podcasts. And she said, uh, I love Book Riot. The book news format is wonderful. That's one of the ones I like is Book Riot. And she said, although I wasn't a fan right away, The Readers has become one of my favorites. After several episodes, I've learned their sense of humor and what their book tastes are like. Um, <laughs> she says, they kind of gave me permission in my own mind to dismiss some classics and not feel like a mutant for not loving what others do. And uh, so that was The Readers was one I'd listened to part of an episode and it just didn't really grab me. But based on Daisy's recommendation, I will probably give it another shot. It wasn't so much their sense of humor that was bothering me. It was it was just more kind of the, I don't know, there was just a feel to it that it wasn't grabbing me. But I will try it again, Daisy. We'll see if they become my friends like they've become yours. Um, Daisy then also commented on episode 175, in which I have a President's Day sew-in, uh, that she said she was listening and got to thinking about her own experiences with wool thread. And she has some orophil that's 50% wool, 50% acrylic. 
She used it for wood parts of a sailboat and an embroidery sample for work. She said it shredded like crazy. I know that's the nature of wool and doesn't speak to the quality of orophil, just the properties of wool thread. This project also confirmed my suspicions about being allergic to wool. Eek, not cool, man, not cool. <laughs> so sorry, Daisy, that you found out that you were really were allergic to wool by using wool thread. And it's funny because I can't wear wool at all, no matter how many layers I put under it. It really bothers me. Um, but wool thread wasn't bothering me at all. And I, maybe it's just because I wasn't quite in quite as much contact with it, or maybe it doesn't have something in it that that wool clothing does. Anyway, um, and very Lazy Daisy again, episode 175, in which I have a Presence Day sew-in. She wanted to comment that she had listened to The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson, which she says is not for everyone necessarily, um, but she loved the the version narrated by Jim Dale. She said, I tried listening fast and could not understand a thing. He is such a great, engaging narr narrator that normal speed was perfection. Seriously, though, I could probably listen to him read the phone book and be happy. Um, but she said that there were a couple of books that the normal speed was so incredibly slow, it sounded like it had been slowed down. So she she was the one that had mentioned to me listening to audiobooks on a faster speed. Um, but if you are into kind of the... Uh, not, I don't want to call it a horror genre I mean it is a horror novel but it's not like the gruesome slasher flick type horror is the haunting of hill house um I know um Daisy also talked about it on her podcast I believe that she really really enjoyed that audiobook version so you might want to check that out um and Dr. Molly commented on episode 175 as well that she said she didn't realize the audiobooks had different speeds until one she was listening to was somehow on slow it took her a bit to find out what's happening but now she knows um, Sherry D commented on episode 176 in which I got some new toys and I said to her thank you so much for this comment uh, because she gave me the name of the other glue pens that work better. If you remember I was talking about the glue pen I bought that I really hated. Uh, she said Soline, S-E-W-L-I-N-E for a glue pen or Roxanne's glue based it with the long fine needle point both wash out. So Secure is another, so S-E-W, is another product I use, but it does not wash out. It does dry soft, though. So Secure, the one that doesn't wash out, looks like white glue, and hers is in a four-ounce size bottle. So Line, the first one she mentioned, is a solid wash-away glue pen with refills, which would be nice. Roxanne's glue-based it looks like Elmer's glue, and hers is in a two-ounce bottle. It lasts forever. And it's got a needle point that's several inches long, and this is the one that I think I've seen before because I remember having a really long narrow needle point to it and she says Sherry D says to store it I use those special braces cleaners with the plastic needle attached to thick floss that keeps those teeny tiny needle tips clear so they don't gunk up which is an excellent tip Sherry thank you so much she says she does a lot of applique and she uses all of those um, but she also uses Elmer's wash away glue sticks more than anything I buy them in bulk around the beginning of the school uh, she buys them in bulk around the beginning of the school year when school supplies are on sale. Um, and I've used the glue sticks all the time, too. The thing I find that kind of bugs me a little bit when I use them on felted wool is they pull up so much wool that the glue stick itself gets really gunked up really fast. So I tend to not like using glue sticks on felted wool as much as a regular glue. Um, so thank you, Sherry D. I am going to go right out and try to find me some of that Roxanne's glue based it. Like I said, that was the one that I do remember seeing once you gave me the name of it, um, and I will also take your uh, suggestion for to find some braces cleaners with the plastic needle so that I can keep the tip ungunky. Um, Kati R. 
I was I was giving her I'm I'm not sure I'm doing these in order, I'm sorry, but um Kadi R I had blamed <laughs> I guess you can say for enabling me on buying yet another craftsy class, which was Debbie Craffrey's uh, class on cutting strategies. And um, this was on my February 2015 Craftsy class update class. But she claims, she says she was not the original enabler. The original enabler was Gretchen, as she was the first one posting about the class. But I have to say, Kati, somehow I had missed Gretchen's post about the class, which I apologize because I read all of Gretchen's posts, so I don't know how I m missed that one. Um, but I saw it from Kati, and so Kati was the one that enabled me. You can't pass that blame off. I'm sorry, Kati. Uh, by the way, great class, and I will try to get my review of it out this week. Um, Gay commented also on the same blog post. She says she's have, she has had the Quiltography app for several years. The photo quilt is a pretty cool feature of that app. It pixelates any photo from your library. It's a fun way to use up two and a half inch squares. I use my air printer for the patterns, which also can be saved as a PDF. Like you mentioned, it's fun to fiddle with. So thank you, Gay. I had not gotten into play with the photo quilt. I didn't realize that's what it did. I thought what it did was just gave you layouts for you to do photos, you know, within like a photo quilt type thing, not a pixelated quilt. So that'll be really cool. And now I do want to go back and play with that. So thank you for your comment, Gay. And Sue, um, oh, did I already comment on this one? I'm sorry, I wonder if I already talked about this one. Uh, Sue in upstate New York has an alarm on her wrist Fitbit that vibrates to wake her up. That one sounds really familiar. I could swear I'd already talked about it. Um, my Fitbit does not have an alarm. Did I talk about that one? I'm sorry. Yes, some Fitbits do have alarms. Uh, the wrist ones do that vibrate to wake you up. I have the one, which is the one that clips on. Um, so there is no vibrate on that. But if you have a Fitbit, check out the vibration. Um, Gretchen, who I was just talking about, commented on my Fight the Funk Friday blog post. Um, I had mentioned something. I don't think this was the most recent one. I think this was last week that I talked about that I losing weight. I'm not really doing much right now. She says, one of my friends told me the other day that when she hit a plateau in losing weight, her curves instructor told her to eat a little bit more for a couple of days and then start over. Just saying, she says. So thank you, Gretchen, for giving me permission to eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what you meant? That's how I interpreted it. Um, Kati also said, Fight the Funk Friday. Uh, she suggested if I needed any help. This was, I'm skipping the first half of her comment. She didn't go straight to this, but she talks about if I, I need any healthy recipes. She has a lot of them pinned on her Pinterest boards. Um, so I told her I was going to go find them. I actually have, you know, a fair number of healthy recipes. I just haven't been cooking lately either. <laughs> so it's kind of all this, you know. It all kind of works together, doesn't it? Um, so thank you, Kati, and a, a thank you again to Gay. She said, um, Nooms, my, the one art quilt from the last class that I did finish, she says it reminds her of prayer bells using a Buddhist monastery in her area. Um, boy, that one sounds familiar too. I'm starting to wonder if I didn't pull some of my comments that I had already responded to out of my file. I apologize. Yes, I have what I was thinking that I had commented about that one was that I love hearing what other people see in things that I've created, even if it's something completely different from what I've seen. That's always kind of cool. Uh, thank you to Beverly for your comment and to Marianne for your comment and to um, Boliz for your comment and my friend Lori, um, my in-person friend Lori, not that all the rest of you aren't friends, uh, also commented and 
Um, Debbie also commented, all of these comments were on that same Snow Die Challenge reveal on when I revealed Nooms, and they all were very complimentary about it as well. And Debbie said, particularly, she can't explain why, but it speaks to her. So thank you, Debbie. I, I really liked reading that as well. Um, and Carol, thank you for your comment on it. And Jean, I got a lot of comments on that Snow Die Challenge review, reveal. Um, Jean said, Sandy, the art quilter for the rest of us, which I really enjoyed. Um, <laughs> I had posted my Thinking About It Thursday blog post for uh, last week, I think it was. Just had a picture of the snow outside and just said, sigh. That's all I was thinking about. And Michelle said, I know just how you feel. Um, and thank you to Cotty for another post. And to Kay, who let me know. She was one of the ones who let me know that she hadn't had any problems with the sound, regardless of which microphone I was using or anything I was doing. Now, she listens to my podcast through Stitcher. So it's possible that Stitcher has a noise equalizer kind of thing that equalizes levels between the podcast that's pushing out to you. I don't know. Um, but I appreciated you letting me know what you were hearing. And to Carol also, she has also not heard any noises. So thank you to Carol for your um, comment. And um, she also lives in Western New York. She said the other side of the freezer. <laughs> so yes, we are commiserating to one another. Um, thank you to Maureen, who also posted that um, she loves A.A. Milne and Winnie the Pooh and a stuffed Pooh Bear sits in her quilt studio, a remnant from her daughter's childhood. Um, and thank you for your comment. And I believe she's going to, did I send you what you asked me for, Maureen? Let me know if I didn't. I think I did, but let me know if I didn't. Um, I think you know what I'm probably talking about right now. Uh, thank you to Linda. Okay. I don't think I commented on this one. Um, she had, um, this was actually an email, so it's a little bit longer. She was glad I had mentioned the poster tape in my last podcast. She has a three-piece cutting mat on her t cutting table, which gives her a luxurious 35 by 70 inch cutting area. Um, and the mats came with metal clips to hold them together, but they're just too annoying when everything would catch on those clips. Uh, she removed the clips, so but the, now everything's sliding around. So she was glad when she heard me talk about the poster tape. She could not find poster tape, but she went to the scrapbooking area and she found a removable double sticky tape made by 3M, which was about 3-8 inch thick, and she's going to give it a try. And she wanted to know what brand mine was, and my the brand of mine was Scotch poster tape. Um, oh, and she was the one that, yes, I have not responded to this uh, in a podcast episode yet, because I just got it a couple days ago. She said, um, you haven't mentioned yet the Genesee Valley Quilt Fest that's being held in Rochester, and she's right, I have not. I have neglected that because I got so excited about the fact I was going to Kansas for the quilt show out there. Um, the Genesee Valley Quilt Guild in the Rochester area has a show every two years, and this is one of those years. It's in June. I think it's earlier June because I think I'm going to be home with it. It might be mid-June. I have not looked on the website to see what the actual dates are. Um, but it's a very nice show for a show from a guild. It's big. They take the um, gym of one of our local colleges completely over. They have classes. They have speakers. They've got vendors. And, of course, the quilt show itself. It's a really nice um, event. So if you think you're going to be in the area or within driving distance of Rochester, you should go. Um, the last time at their show, I was actually a member of the guild, and I volunteered some during the thing. I let my membership lapse only because they don't send out reminders and so I tend to forget because I don't actually go to meetings they held their meetings are during the work week so I keep I 
did a membership really only so that I could go hear the occasional speaker. If they had someone I really wanted to go hear, I would, you know, I had made the decision I would take a vacation day if I did that. The last couple of years, I just haven't even been able to do that much. Um, so I, my membership has now lapsed. I should probably renew it again. I don't know that I would try to get a quilt in the show this year only because I just don't know that what I'd have finished <laughs> try to try to get in the show. So we'll see. Um, and you can't put a quilt in the show unless you're a member of the guild. So I'm sure probably every other year they see a slight uptick in their memberships and then it might drop back again for people like me because they don't send out reminders. Uh, so anyway, thank you to Linda. And now, yes, I have announced the Genesee Valley Quilt Show. Uh, so, and let's see who else. Um, lots of emails from... Noni did say one of my recent episodes was easier to hear, so thank you, Noni. And she also said... Um, she wondered if I knew about the PBS show Quilting Arts and the fact that you could buy the DVDs for it. And yes, I do. Um, Quilting Arts TV, I believe, is a, a... Well, you can get them through Interweave Store. My PBS station does not carry Quilting, Quilting Arts TV, so I can't see them live. Um, but I have bought um, one or two of the collections of their series on video, and you can download them as well through interweavestore.com. So... Um, I would definitely check them out. Each one of those episodes has uh, of Quilting Arts TV has a variety of things. You know, it's just like any craft-type show is. There's going to be two or three segments with some different things in it. Um, but Interweave Press, Interweave Store, does also have a lot of single-subject videos that you can either buy as a DVD or as a video download. Um, excellent resources, so definitely check that out. Again, it's interweavestore.com. So now I've definitely done all the comments um, from the last couple of weeks. So thank you to everybody for commenting. Please do keep the comments coming. If for some reason you're not able to actually leave a comment um, on the site, I know some people have problems for whatever reason, and it depends on how you access the site, um, that you're not always allowed to leave a comment, but just try to shoot me an email. Um, if you comment on Twitter, that's great. And I'm, I'm on Twitter pretty much all the time, so I'll see it. But I never remember to save any of those Twitter comments to talk about them. <laughs> On the podcast so sorry about that um anyway uh i guess that is it for this episode and let me go through now how you can leave comments you can email me at sandyquilts at gmail.com you can that's sandy with a y quilts with a z you can follow the blog you can follow me on twitter twitter pinterest um flickr all of those places i'm sandy quilts sandy with a y quilts with a z you can friend me on goodreads you can like the quilting for the rest of us page on facebook i promise i will do something on the quilting for the rest of us page on facebook you can and please do join the quilting for the rest of us flickr group i love seeing those pictures and you can join the quilting for the rest of us kiva team and do good all over the world and you will find links for all of those things at the website for this podcast and my blog www.quiltingfortherestofus.com until next time go get your quilty on quilting for the rest of us is dedicated to shirley love you mom